Oh, hey, Chris. Oh, hi, Jake. Hi there. Hello. It's another one of these episodes where you we know it. where we're just here saying hi to each other. Mm-hmm. As people who listened to last week's like three second episode know, we suffered an amazing recording catastrophe last mm-hmm. week. Nick's entire recording somehow got destroyed by his computer to the point that it sounds like he is a robot talking through a Casio keyboard, basically. <laughs> yes. Um, we found this out just immediately upon listening to the episode. Like if you listen to the countdown that we do. To sync Nick and I recordings, you can hear it. One, two, three, four, five, six. Nick, the champ that he is, decided that he would try and fix it. <laughs> uh, and he did so by going back and redubbing literally his entire, I guess, performance on yes. the episode. So he, he reperformed his entire contribution. Yeah. Being Nick, he actually went through and also dubbed all of the pre episode goofing around and organizational stuff that isn't even part of the main <laughs> okay. content. And so I am I the first thing you will hear is more of that than you usually hear in these episodes because I was so fascinated by him making that choice to reperform himself just being like ha ha ha. Yep. While these things were going on. So enjoy <laughs> enjoy this. Enjoy a little bit of that before we get into the meat of the episode. I, the, I was trying to think of what this feels like to me, and the and the analogy that I came up with is like you know, if you've ever written a huge paper for a class and you know like the basic points of the essay that you were writing, but then your computer crashes and you didn't hit Control mm, S, yeah. and then you're like you go okay, I think that I know it, and you retype it, and at the end of it, you're like this basically says what I said, Nick. Did his best to save the 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 patient that died on the slab, but I think it might have come back changed. Yeah. And I think in some ways, Jake, that was a very pessimistic outlook. I think in some ways it is more interesting and fascinating oh, for well, this process. Yeah, Chris, if you try to play God and bring something back from the dead, <laughs> it's it's maybe you shouldn't have done it, but it's definitely fascinating mm-hmm. to, to look but at. But now that we have Enjoy. One, two, three, Nick. One, two, three, me. All right, Nick, you ready for our cool time? Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Are you not? Sorry, what is it, giving you weird anxiety or something? <laughs> <laughs> I hate it now. You hate it now? Because <laughs> yeah, we're doing, yeah. Because we do I the simultaneous thing? Oh. I used to love it. Now I hate it. Well, uh, here go. it goes in your ears. Ugh. I mean, we could we could flip it. You could start the count, and I could be the one who has to put up with that. Shit. No, 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 no. That's fine. It's okay. Fine. All right. I'll I'll I'll. I'll Here do we it. go. One, two, three, four. One, five, two, six. three. Oof. <laughs> it might help you to take the earphones out. No, when he it's has th- to hear me. I mean, once. Well, oh, I guess once he says four, then yeah, yeah. Know. Once, once I yeah, yep. Once you have the tempo, yeah. I put my yeah. earphones in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might hinder my performance. So yeah. I don't. I don't want to. Yeah. Get too fancy. <laughs> All right. So what the hell are we talking about? Oh no. Well, the first thing yeah. is this. This episode of Important of True is brought to you by Quip electric toothbrushes sent directly to your home with brush head refills every three months. If you go to tryquip.com slash thumbs, you will get your first brush head refill absolutely free. That's tryquip.com slash thumbs. Oh, Nick, you, uh, I'm sure you do, but you have the right microphone on, right? Yeah, yeah, of course okay, I do. Cool. I would never not, Chris. Always got that microphone on. It's 
February 23rd, 2018. Sorry, I... That, that was no terrifying. Way. No you way. were just <laughs> glaring at me the entire time you said that. <laughs> Fuck you. It's February 20th. <laughs> Listen, you piece of shit. <laughs> Listen, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Wax house. It's February 23rd, 2018, and this is Important If True. For Idle Thumbs, I am Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. That was that, like, you were, like, angling for, like, a Newberry medal or something with, like, the... the, the <laughs> Newberry ca- medal? Like, a kid's book cadence where it was, like, and this is Important If True. It's, like, Nick is getting into, like, a Shell Silverstein <laughs> yeah. mode or something. Yeah, what is yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. dactylic yeah. meter or something? Mm-hmm. I don't remember what all of them are. We'll refer to it as that, yeah. even if it's not. Mm-hmm. Welcome all. It's Thanks. Friday. Thank mm. you. Oh yeah, we're finally acknowledging that we're this podcast comes out on Friday. It's a Friday podcast now because that's what always happens. Welcome to it. Happy Saturday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Nick, you look very uh, you look very groomed. Canadian is the word you were looking for. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You went. You well, I guess visited I our, our friend Landis in, uh, in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you came down here just to get a haircut and record a mm-hmm. podcast. God, she told me that she had a client once that only, only she said she flew to France to get her haircut. Did, did you hear this one? How was it her client? Was she in France? <laughs> she she it was the first she time gave up that on she, this? Uh, that her client had oh, ever, oh, her wow. client had such mental insecurities that she uh, she only switched to Landis after a lot of uh, anguish, basically. But uh, but she was flying to France. Uh, I guess if you can afford to do that, it's probably, it probably feels like a meaningless expenditure. I guess if You know what I mean? If you have the amount of money where that's even remotely possible. Then that means that for you, it is so possible as to be invisible. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's That's intense. Yeah. Yep. Well, you're, I mean, you're on your way flying down to, you're flying to another country to get your haircut. Yeah, mm-hmm. ridiculous people flying uh, <laughs> across international borders just to go to their favorite hairdresser. Yeah. Yep. Well. That's just who I am now. Uh, fair enough. Nick, you mentioned something uh, when we were prepping this episode, which is that you were in the United States uh, for several days, <clears throat> and then upon returning to Canada, since then you have not yet left your house. That's true. Uh, that is that is something that is your life currently. So I would like to offer a recommendation to you, which I know fits within your existing interests, uh, which is that the Japanese puzzle manufacturers at a company called Beverly have created one to two thousand piece jigsaw puzzles featuring <laughs> tiny pieces that are all one color. This is like <laughs> an incredible. If you actually look at the picture of this, it is. I, I. It looks like a printing mistake, basically. Yeah, it, it's just it is yeah. a perfectly rectangular jigsaw puzzle <laughs> with all the little jigsaw cut, you know, sides, and they have nothing on. They're also them. described it, as like micro pieces, so I think they're all like the size of a coin, oh as opposed God, to the size yeah. of a regular jigsaw puzzle piece. Well, coins can be many sizes. The si- Well, the size. What of if the- it's like one of those? silver dollars that's true it's the size of a of a novelty giant coin with the statue of liberty some <laughs> some go up in value some go down yeah <laughs> uh but yeah when i was this is one of those things where when you look at it so at first it feels it's like that's pretty funny and then the more i looked at it the more it looked like i was actually just staring 
into some kind of void. Uh, the the it, it is so empty. It's like a white piece of paper has nothing has less on it than this puzzle does in the sense that the puzzle has uh you know you can see the shape of the puzzle pieces and yet this no, puzzle this is, because yeah. of what is so glaringly omitted it felt so much emptier and vastly it's like looking out of like a of like a, a lead-lined window into nothing like your yeah. eyes can sort of focus through the carved uh, edges of the puzzle and then into the emptiness beyond in a way that you can't right. with a white piece of paper. I yeah, think. exactly. Like- a white piece of paper is full of possibility and things that could be created or written on it. It's clean and fresh. This thing is, is there is no possibility of creation or anything. This is the void. This is the vacuum. So I want to know, Nick, is this something that you would ever attempt knowing based on your prior <laughs> uh, endorsements on this podcast that you are a jigsaw puzzle solver? I mean, honestly, after after seeing this thing, I, I really I almost just straight up bought it um, <laughs> for real. But I am afraid. I'm wow, afraid. Okay. No, no, no. I, I can definitely feel the urge to conquer it. Yeah. But wow, that's but I, incredible. But I'm also uh, it, ta- oh, man, it scares me. I've actually yeah. I I did a big jigsaw puzzle over the weekend with Dana. And oh, really? Yeah. What? Is everyone doing... Is this like a thing? Is I don't this know. I, we, like a we, thing were, we were just in... We were just away for four days and ran out of things to do, so there was a jigsaw puzzle and we did it. Mm. Uh, it was a... It was an impressionist painting. It was a Degas woman bu- buying hats in Paris. She only goes to Paris to buy hats uh, <laughs> and then gets painted by a f- famous impressionist painter. But because it's an impressionist painting and it was a large puzzle, it, it was just like huge swaths of it were the same brown. Sure, yeah. And that was just infuriating enough. Ah, that, like, I see. But, like, a thing that I've often kind of been tempted to do when, when doing a jigsaw puzzle is is to actually just flip all the pieces over and solve it upside down because really? I think because you I kind guess, of yeah, get I into a, the same thing. You kind of get into a yeah. mode when you're doing some jigsaw puzzles where you have to just almost you do have to kind of focus through the picture and just look for the shapes because that's the only thing that makes sense, especially when you're getting distracted by the weird subtleties in it. And so maybe that's maybe that's something fun to it. I don't know, man. If this takes if this product takes off, I have a hot tip for existing jigsaw puzzle manufacturers remarket all of your existing Two-sided. jigsaw puzzles yeah as reversible <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if there's some way that you could encode some sort of like invisible ink that only on exposure to light after a certain amount of time displays you probably something could. yeah that would be a really good long-term thing to secretly what's, encode into what's the these worst puzzles. Thing you could oh, do, here's oh, the worst thing you could do is make the puzzle such that it, 50% of the pieces are actually cross-compatible and are but the picture Wait, on what? like the puzzle can be solved in two different ways like all the pieces oh, actually have two different places they could fit yeah but if they're all white how can you well this tell? is but you have like uv ink on it and ah. then and then have it come with a uv light that's on a timer that will just only shine every like it'll shine <laughs> for like three seconds every five minutes <laughs> so you're so this puzzle is already basically designed for people with kind of obsessive yeah per, per, like personalities but in then it's which just like every like little things that are slightly out of place nag at them yes. if ever and you're just feeding and then into it just this goes, <laughs> here are the mistakes remember them and then the light turns off again and you're like oh Jesus <laughs> Christ wow <laughs> that mm. is diabolical 
I don't know. If I mean, this product is clearly built for a very specific type of person. And you yeah, can drill no, that, that, that that's is. brilliant. I mean, especially if you can somehow tie this into like an actual real world conspiracy or murder or ransom or escape plot yeah. or something. Because then, I mean, that's obviously the ultimate calling of yes. such a device. Yeah, you could find you could find the killer mm-hmm. in this uh, mm-hmm. alternate reality game or whatever. Nick, you earlier suggested when we were talking about this the nightmare of deliberately or accidentally shipping one of these 1000 piece puzzles with one missing. Yeah. And I think that is actually a fantastic <laughs> modification to this product for another type of person. If the, if the puzzle, if the box <laughs> says 999 to 1000 pieces included <laughs> and the entire oh. time you know oh, like God. if it you're like if you're be, like right. I can't find the piece that goes right here it could like, be the missing piece right every single time there. oh no it wasn't okay right oh my god because wow that is brutal and then if you go through and count them all are you confident right. that you counted correctly oh, or you ship the 1000th piece that may or may not be for this puzzle oh shit the, yeah mm. that's the if 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 you have 999 of the thousand pieces and then just plus one dupe of any of those Yes, exactly. Oh. <laughs> oh, would it be the same no. dupe, or could you like call somebody else who ordered the same puzzle? Oh my and god! See if they have the yeah, right you piece? have to get a community of a thousand people, <laughs> all of whom have this thousand limited run puzzle set, and they can assemble a slightly different all white puzzle, but the pieces just like assembled right. differently uh, than the other nine hundred ninety nine. I think I think it's that nine hundred ninety nine of them are duped, but then there's the thousands guy that will just never get the piece that he needs. <laughs> oh my god so it's actually so you actually what you're so you get the community together is, and, and everybody figures out okay you give him your piece and that solves your puzzle but then there's that one guy who's just like left out in the cold forever yeah so this is actually you end up with a million puzzle pieces and 999,999 pieces oh you sorry you end up with 999,999 puzzle pieces out of unintended 1 million because 999 of the people have all 1000 pieces yes and then mm-hmm. one guy has and then one guy's just like doll doll <laughs> wax house baby <laughs> man this is <laughs> how far does this go i mean you could basically depending on the success of the series you could just sort of like exponentially scale this up until the entire planet is collaborating on some and then basically the, god can that puzzle the have the answer to climate change on it yeah, please <laughs> like <laughs> yeah stop cutting down trees to make puzzles <laughs> that's, <laughs> shit that's the uv message that that, that flashes one you know in the year 2072 if you can read this earth's average global temperature has arisen by four degrees <laughs> that's the special ink that we used wax house baby funnel back into how every terrible everything is now. uh that's just why are life? we talking about a stupid puzzle oh sorry pieces that it ends up talking about how we're all doing sorry you're right you'll you'll solve the entire thing that it'll say back at it again at crispy cream no <laughs> Well, it'll actually just have a URL to Vine, and then you're like, oh, that was probably... Oh, they made this before they Vine this before was gone. Vine damn, <laughs> oh, it. damn it. <laughs> it never ends this shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's fun, Chris. It's fun oh, puzzle. sorry. I mean, it, it's fun. Sorry. This puzzle built from the ground up to be a device to torture a certain type of obsessive person is always fun, and it's it's not. it shouldn't be yeah, a shock to you that, right, it, that it resolves down to something globally terrible if yeah, extrapolated right. upon for too long. Fair enough. I just thought it would be funny to aggravate Nick Brecken's particular neuroses little did i know i was i was constructing this an would, even more grandiose neurotic contraption that this will would be swallow a, a, our world. G- a genuinely 
fascinating live stream to watch. It would be like the live stream version of like a TV of like slow TV. That's just uh, a train. Yeah, that's just like a train. Like if you going had a real sixteen time. by nine version yeah. of this, and you framed it perfectly yeah, from a top down camera, so it started with a hardwood table, and then just like a piece of white was put down, and then occasionally yeah. it cuts in the person with the entire wide table, and then you know eventually yeah. it's just one entire screen of white. Yeah, I could see I could see that actually becoming a thing. That right. would be I'll, hours I'll that. and hours and hours. Oh, uh, do that, Nick. Will you? You'll stream yourself solving an all-white puzzle? Sure, yeah, why, why not? Do it. Oh, man, do that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll see how it goes. We can watch We can watch how... We, I wonder if we can connect that up to, like, um, a sort of pulse meter, like a bre- blood pressure <laughs> meter. I, I got one of those. Like, so. get, yeah, get, hook it up to your Fitbit it'll and just, have that... Um, it, it'll just slowly drop to zero. <laughs> or, I mean, it could very well go the other direction. I think it Everyone really Everyone would depends. be so excited to it watch. It depends if you have the 1,000-piece the unit or the 999-piece mm-hmm, unit. Right. <laughs> I think the arc... <laughs> yeah. The heart rate from the sort of satisfaction of putting the final piece of that puzzle in would be so fun to watch, especially if when the final piece of the puzzle is attempted to be put in, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit, fit yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. All right. Well, keep us posted on that, Nick. I'm excited about it. Sure. Um, we have uh, an email from Gintz. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm saying that improperly. Let's as, assume that you are. As I often do, I'm sure. Who writes, Hello, important if crew. Oh, that's a new one. Jake hates any coined phrase. I don't. That I don't hate one any. That he has introduced. Oh, Chris, that is not true. Hold that's, on a second now. Yeah, are you are you trying to get into into blaming me for uh, for being upset with y'all last episode? By which I mean being upset with you and Nick last episode. I mean, I'm pointing out that that you reacted in a way that I would describe as unnecessarily violent. Well, it's because you looked around with a slightly smug face and said you ready y'all and you're a person I didn't have a smug face it was in the it was in your voice your, the, your ah. face was conveyed through audio which All humans right. have the power to do I have already forgotten the other phrase that you that you used one time ah well I fear there's too much clam in the beverage no yes God, yeah, see this is the this is what I'm talking about what you I like that you Nick is like having <laughs> an episode right now. Apparently, you're just staring Nick, around sorry, the room. Do you guys, do you guys hear in that? Bafflement. Oh my god! Hear what? Hear it what? Sounds like a massive fart is happening in my apartment. What? I'm very concerned. Nick, we've moved fine. past keep that, going. that you, phase of this about? podcast. Just, <laughs> Furbies are, just keep going. Keep going. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Jake was losing his shit over uh, god, people what did saying you say? things. I said, "I fear there's too much clam in the beverage." <laughs> Because I fear it. Oh, it's not that. It was it was the phrase that you introduced in the podcast like years ago, where you what? showed up at the beginning of the acting like. This. Oh, where I used the word sly boots. Yes, where you at the beginning of the episode told the audience without telling us that you were going to plant the phrase "real sly boots" into the podcast, and then you just kept sort of saying it. <laughs> and the way, the manner in which you opened the episode with y'all last time felt like the exact trap. And then I tried to spring the trap early, but what instead happened was that. Nick went, ah, Jake thinks that Chris is doing some sort of sly boots thing, and then Nick started saying y'all the entire episode. Is that what you thought, Nick? Uh, yeah, more or less. 
I straight up accused you of it. I said, is this some bit you're trying to introduce into the show? I wasn't. You say, Yo, I know, but then Nick did it anyway. But then you fucking introduced Clam and the Beverage <laughs> into the episode at the break by just saying it apropos of nothing. It wasn't apropos of nothing. I don't remember what it was a- of what it was apropos. We ended an ad but- and you're like, what What are we talking about next? And then you looked around sort of worried and said, no, I fear there's too much Clam no, in the Beverage. That- you literally did that. And no. then at the end of the episode, you said, I love this phrase and I hope it becomes a phrase. <laughs> Like, I feel like Y'all. I was in the yeah, exactly. I feel like I was in the right with my apprehension oh. about about the the trap laden episode that we were walking into. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're. I think you're. I think you're creating mm. things that aren't there. Uh, much like, much like I enjoy doing with language. This is not even really related, but I saw something the other day about how I don't even remember what game it was, but some video game company. In the terms of use of the game, they expressly forbid people from developing relationships inside this online game. It's against the terms of service of the game to like <laughs> fall in love with someone and, and have a relationship in the game. And the way that it's phrased, you know the way when contracts are written, they, they use the official name of the thing the first time. Yeah, and then, and then, and then in print it's referred to as like, the entity or whatever. Right, exactly. Or like the corporation or the <laughs> film or whatever. The way that they described what I assume to be both their game and the sort of world contained in the game and the your participation in it was described as in capitals the content and so the terms of use of this game forbids from entering into romantic relationships within the content which <laughs> struck me as the most just like dystopian that's such a better version of pointing in all directions that we are currently progressing <laughs> I couldn't it was I couldn't handle that it. is a way better version of ready player one <laughs> it is forbidden to fall in love within the content yeah but <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. This is a story of two people who fell in love within the content. Within the content, And it's yeah. just called The Content. <laughs> uh, yeah, two creators fall in love within the content uh, <laughs> against the express wishes of the developer. Yeah. We don't have matchmakers anymore. We have influencers. I don't know if you knew that, Chris, but developers uh, develop and then content creators create the content mm. and then fall in love inside of the content. I don't think they're supposed to, though. Oh. It's forbidden. I love that it's forbidden to fall in love inside the content. Mm -hmm. Yep. (sighs) I mean, I think. I mean, past a point, I think the 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 reality we're living in will be indistinguishable from the content. Like when you're online at this point, you are. I mean, if you're using social media, you are basically inside of the content. Increasingly, things that you use on the internet to express yourself in any way, or even sort of react to other people's expressions or information or simple notes is itself part of the content because the way that social media works is that everything is sort of packaged as something that is in itself content for other people to then react to or like yeah or yeah share of course you're, you're feeding more data into into the machine well you're feeding more data into the machine but you're also creating content for other people to browse and enjoy and then create more content in response to. Yes. Like the, you know, I mean, the the content is basically just the sort of self-replicating like information 
so the content, creation yeah. network that we all participate in. The content the itself can surely tell if two people fall in love inside of the content. Can you imagine Facebook, your Facebook relationship status changing before you've had the conversation about like... Facebook knows that shit for sure. Facebook, the content knows you've fallen in abs- love. No, absolutely. I remember... It just analyzes that photo that you've uploaded. It says, ah, oh, yeah, I can see the way they're looking at each other. They're, yeah, they're, they're making... Yeah, I remember, I remember that <laughs> like before I was engaged or anything, but when I was in the relationship with uh, the person who is now my wife... I remember at one point, I don't remember if it was Twitter or Facebook or what, but there was some like tool where it was like, you know, verify, authenticate your account and it'll tell you who you love. And it just told me that it was <laughs> the person who I was in a relationship with. The content I'm pretty sure that sure. thing told me that I was in love with you, Chris. So I don't know <laughs> if it's... <laughs> well, I forget who mine told me that I was in love with. It might have also you are in you, love Chris. with the content. <laughs> that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate aim. Yeah. Uh, uh, what are we talking about? The, I don't know. I think, we're, I, think, yeah. I think we're taking a break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't identify anything we've talked about so far in this podcast. No. So maybe we should pause it momentarily. Yep. All right. This episode of Important If True is brought to you by a pair of shout-outs. Whoa. Yep, mm. a pair of... Uh, I say uh, whoa every time, but like this time it's, like it's super whoa. Well, whoa, it's yeah. double it's... birthday shout-outs. Two birthday shout-outs, yeah. And we brought way. back we brought back live Nick just for the... Oh, occasion. yeah, hey. This hey, is, Nick. This is normal, in-real-time Nick recording alongside us with a voice that presumably sounds like a person. Yeah, he's right here. Uh, so yes, here we are. I here. am. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. Okay. Uh, so our first shout out is from Ed, who says, this shout out is for my very best friend, Jack Shepard, who turns 30 at the end of February. Mm. Jack is not a fan of putting all his information on social media. So being the excellent friend I am, I am getting his name and age shouted out to thousands of listeners of Important If True. (laughs) Jack Shepard, the last 12 years of knowing you have been amazing. From drunken nights out at university through to tag team best manning your wedding, it has been a lot of fun, and I look forward to many more shenanigans in the years to come. Thanks for introducing me to Important If True, and happy birthday, Ed. That is heartwarming. That's awesome. Except yeah. for the part where he was gently doxxed on this podcast. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's okay. We know you're not a big fan of having your information uh, out there publicly. So uh, we're not going to include also your mother's maiden name, your first car, make and model, and other information that Ed uh, provided along with your vicinity of your birthday. That's not really enough to, to dox someone too badly. No. Someone will. No. no birth, it's fine. birth year and month have been revealed. Uh, yeah. Stay ha- tuned for future reveals in future <laughs> shoutouts. We'll <laughs> drip feed your semi-unique personal information. That is such a movie name, Jack Shepard. Good lord. Uh, anyway, happy birthday, Jack Shepard. If that's your real name, <laughs> if that's your real name, I yeah. You know what? Maybe it's not. He's not a fan of putting his information out there, such as his name. That's because he's a hard man to find. It's true, but he did. Make this podcast an easy one to find for his friend Ed, mm. which that really warms my heart. This is already this is too complicated. This is too complicated. New okay. shout out. New shout out. Thanks. Thank you, Ed, and happy birthday, Jack. Moving along, this episode of Important If True is also brought to you by a shout out from 
Greg, who says, I would like to give a happy birthday shout out to my beautiful wife, Jen Jabaley Blackburn, for her birthday on March 1st. It's a lot of information to release in a <laughs> shout out, to be quite honest. <laughs> She is a longtime fan of esoteric trivia, AI-derived lists of names, meme genes, and Nutcracker-related vomit stories, so it has been clear for a while that you have been microcasting to her demographic. This shout-out makes it official that this content is specifically for you, Jen Bailey Blackburn, Jeopardy! champion and Best New Poet winner 2014 and Whoa. 2016. Wow. Whoa! Happy oh birthday, God. and I love you all of it. I, your husband, Greg. I'm sure that Jake, Nick, and Chris would like you just fine. <laughs> I think I think that's not giving us that much credit. Greg, <laughs> if that's your real name. <laughs> Meme jeans. Meme jeans, yeah. I lo- a, a the- traditional song. I, uh... <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Was that green sleeves? Yes. That's what you were alluding to? Yes. Mm. Oh, what?! You were thinking it. I was not. <laughs> Nick was. Uh, one thing I was thinking was that it was pretty amazing that Jeopardy! champion was just casually just, dropped yeah, that's in, just, uh, in here. That's, inf- that's Laureate award winner. It is important information. <laughs> and I looked it up. Uh, this 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 person, Jen Jabaley Blackburn, was in fact the 2015 Jeopardy! champion. You can look her online. You can look her up online, and there's a whole there's a website that is like a fan maintained database of all Jeopardy! contestants, and she's in there with her tens of thousands of dollars of winnings, and you can there's clips and stuff. That is ama- It is incredible to me that a Jeopardy! champion listens to this podcast and enjoys Nutcracker vomit stories. That is that is a well, I mean, Man, I think we, ha- we have established, I mean, I think, Chris, we have established that our, our show is basically just shitty Jeopardy. I mean, it is. That yeah, is I would describe that, that as true. trivial information, Chris. Yeah, that is true. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This show is a very trivial pursuit. Yeah. A very, Jesus. very trivial pursuit. <laughs> Jesus. Indeed. Um, well, that was a, that was a pair. It is a very The Simpsons trivial pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> that is more accurate. Thanks for shouting out both uh, Greg and Ed. Those were some beautiful shout outs and I enjoyed them a lot. Uh, I'm sure our readers did too because they were heartwarming. If you would like to if you would like to shout out, head over to store.idlethumbs.net. The information of how to do that is there. Uh, it's it's pretty easy. Uh, and I don't I realized I said and but I didn't have anything. <laughs> and you do it. And you could do, do it on the internet. Uh, so yeah. Happy birthday to both Jen and Jack. And now we return to the rest of this episode, including a very dubbed Nick Brecken. Yeah, see you, Nick. So dubbed. Bye, Nick. Bye. It's so, so dubbed. Uh, Before we move on from this nightmare, Nick, I need to mention something to you as well. Okay. Uh, With an email from Jesse Cox, who wrote in dear thumbs my brother and i are currently visiting london and tonight we went up to meet with some wait what (laughs) shit i don't have the right paper what i printed out an email that i wanted to read to nick and now it's like cut off i'll have to get it on my phone sorry that was kind of surreal dear thumbs 
My brother and I are currently visiting London, and tonight we went to meet up with some musician friends, most of whom I'd never met before. On the way over, my brother told me about a particular uh, woman who might be there who once bragged that she had a pianist friend from San Francisco, a man who took her to jazz shows and introduced her to other jazz musician friends. Oh, also, he was in Jurassic Park. Apparently, that was less impactful news in the United Kingdom, but for my brother, it was amazing and hilarious, and when he told me this friend of Jeff might be present, I got my hopes up. She was present. We wanted to hear some good Jeff stories, and so spent the entire night thinking of ways to bring up Jeff Goldblum organically in conversation. Should, should we drop subtle Jurassic Park quotes? Mention my favorite movie was The Life Aquatic? That feels like a bad way to go for someone who doesn't even seem to think it's notable that Jeff Goldblum is Jeff Goldblum. Anyway, um, we never actually were introduced as she was on the arm of some non-Jeff the whole night, and overall, these and other conversation starters seemed too ridiculous, so drastic measures needed to be taken. At the way out of, uh, at the end of the night, literally on my way out of the bar, I ran up to her and said, I'm sorry, excuse me, do you know Jeff Goldblum? (laughs) To which she responded, (laughs) I do know Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) I executed my plan and said, oh, we go way back. Tell him Nick Brecken says hello. What? And then I left. 100% true story. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) So not only does Jeff Goldblum possess in his individual possession a cold bloom, uh, a, a beer cozy manufactured by <laughs> us featuring his face. He also may be told by someone on a different continent uh, yeah. to uh, the Nick, says, Nick hello. Brecken says hello. He may know that there is that there is someone named Nick Brecken out in the world who claims to know and be friends with him who he does not know. Fortunately, you won't match the description of that Nick Brecken if it's True. chased down. Yeah. I mean, unless yeah. it's a white guy with glasses. I mean, how... how, how <laughs> what What is the way that you are told about people which rec- which results I mean, in them like, being nick brecken says hello you know the guy of say no five, obviously five foot nine brown hair obviously i'm spectacled I'm, I'm operating under the assumption that if someone said nick brecken said hello and goblin didn't go oh yeah nick nick brecken and just sort of like <laughs> ah, ah, and just sort of skate over it if he would be like uh who <laughs> who who is this nick brecken uh uh who uh who and then they'd be uh, like who? Oh, you know, some... Oh, you know. <laughs> you know, Nick Brecken. Five foot nine, brown hair, respectacled. I don't know if you're five foot nine. You shorten me a little. Uh, the person would be like, well, let's just search Nick Brecken, Jeff Goldblum, and Google image search, and it would clearly be a picture of Nick Brecken standing next to Jeff Goldblum at a jazz concert, and then Jeff would be like, oh, uh, oh, Nick <laughs> Brecken. That would be an amazing, that would be an amazing weird fucking God. wax like, house f- just for uh, Jeff Goldblum someone, oh oh he, something like Jeff you could probably pull that off though because he's met enough people like he knows enough people that are essentially disposable yeah, that he wouldn't exactly. know whether or not I was his friend exactly and not only that so one he's an actor which means that is true generally but two he loves it's clear he loves being the gregarious oh, yeah. sort of knower of people who is you know the life of the party and is always willing to instantly become someone's best friend at least for the next 30 minutes so he would definitely he would definitely just get carried away on that without any hesitation yeah for sure so so you're in dude congrats yeah so now you well, just I mean, have to like go avoid the- though because i mean there's there's no more like even if he even if she says like you nick Brecken says hello there's no way that anything from that moment will ever escape 
that vacuum we'll never hear of it. i don't know i don't know i think if we if we keep this going if we if if somehow the just like all the people who possibly ever could encounter jeff goldblum or friends of jeff goldblum just keep seeding uh, no, no, no. i think no 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 no. i think the next time you go to one of his jazz <laughs> the next time you go to one of his jazz shows uh-huh. be like hey jeff hey hey yeah it's me nick, Chris, Bre- I have nick, the solution nick to this. brecken and i he there would be a flash of recognition you if think, yes if recognition? you just keep if these seeds keep getting planted mm, i think mm. that's i think over time yes. i think there's a real possibility mm-hmm. here i'm pretty sure the way to lock this in is to start sending him a Christmas card. Oh shit! <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Hey Jeff, I'm your friend Nick That's Brecken. The wrong time of the year for that, like put yeah. your whole name on there when you sign it. Yeah. 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 Just send him one of those yeah. every year for a couple of years from an unknown address. Yeah. Mm. And then meet him, or from your address. Mm. I mean, what do you think he's gonna go there? He's gonna fly to mm. Canada. Yeah. Can I send I him like a late card now, just to just to get this started? <laughs> so sorry, Jeff. Hmm. I think this could be real. All I right. mean, there's, you know, I think he, I think. And then you've got to be like, well, we met many times. One time in airport security. Oh, my God, of course. <laughs> I forgot you're the first oh, yeah. of any of no, us to physically back. encounter Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, that yeah. was almost 10 years ago at this point. I took your shoes. Just, like, change it so you did take his shoes. Like, you gave me your shoes. <laughs> Hung on to your shoes for you. Just kind of try to gaslight Jeff Goldblum into thinking that he's been your gregarious friend in all these chance encounters. Yeah, and you could mm-hmm. prove it by going back and researching what flight you were taking at the time so you can figure out the exact day mm-hmm. and airport that it was. And so right. you could, if he challenges you on it, you could be like, oh, look Well, no, up. you're like, I have this cell phone picture that I took of you. Oh, that's true. You do have an actual photograph of it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. do. I do have a photo. A Never mind. Prove it that photo. way. Don't prove it at all, because that's him. all versions of that are kind of weird. But um, <laughs> Yeah, in fact, yeah. in fact, uh, stay I'm within... Just, stay all on, I'm uh, saying is become his best friend. All I'm saying is trick him into becoming your best friend and believing that you've always been his best friend and that he's known you for years <laughs> and that you stole his shoes the, and that that was great and fine. The fastest way for him to put a restraining order on me would be for me to send him <laughs> a blurry photo of an airport with, his, with the exact flight information and say, remember me and your friend Nick. <laughs> Then the state would be recognizing officially yeah. that you have a connection, a, a deep enough connection to Jeff, Jeff Goldblum that he mm. even would bother to file mm. a restraining order against you. Might be worth it. And then after enough time, um, he would love you. He would. He would have to. <laughs> he would say, I life think that's the rule. Friendship finds uh, a way. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you taught you, me that, Jeff. What do you? You th- taught me that. <laughs> realistically, realistically, let's consider. Like there are two kinds of people. People that Jeff Goldblum does not have a restraining order against and people who Jeff Goldblum does have a restraining order against. Right. Realistically, all things equal with no other variables involved. Exactly. Right. Which category do you think, on balance, statistically, is more likely to ultimately eventually become friends with Jeff Goldblum? Oh, for sure. Definitely the ones who have the restraining order. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So You're right on that. Yeah. Exactly. I I am very confident I am. I would say maybe disconnected from time, those are people who are more likely to at some point along the spectrum of time be friends with Jeff Goldblum, but I don't know if they're more likely to eventually be friends with Jeff Goldblum. I, mean, I think you might like have a, missed your window if you're in the restraining order category. The question is do I you want might to be friends like, with him across like the prison glass? Like if that's yeah, no. <laughs> if that's what we're going for. Oh man! So you're suggesting that you would violate the restraining order enough to be sent to prison, and then he would right. visit you, and then you start sending him well, Christmas yeah. cards from the inside. Right. I mean, I think yeah. actually, I think that's probably a good strategy because if you're in prison, you're potentially a more pitiable figure, and you could definitely attempt to make amends from yeah. afar and really demonstrate growth in your life. And I, you know, I think he might respect mm. that. 
Well, it would be part of his story at that point, you know? Right. It would, it would make him seem, it would make him come off well. Yeah, then he would have so a story think, to uh, tell. Hey, exactly. You become, Someone like you him, yeah, I mean, he would have another story to tell A lot of stories stage. to tell, right. Or if he ever starts a podcast, that would be a great way to just, like, break the ice at the beginning and just get get that story over with in two minutes and then never mention it again. And, oh, he but can, it's your entire chapter of your life that now has He could bring it back in the season finale. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Remember Nick? Uh... <laughs> God, Jeff Goldblum hosting an NPR-style podcast. I was just thinking about that. Would be fucking like Jeff wild yeah. podcast. I'm kind of oh shocked that he doesn't. He could literally just do what his show is. Man, that's true. <laughs> we should just we should just approach we him as the Idle Thumbs Network that, and yeah. just yeah, just you could because you could make a really good podcast out of that if you recorded his jazz show, which he does every single week, and just edit it down into just like the best bits of music and the best bits of banter god yeah turning that into just like a 20 minute listenable thing yeah you can totally do that jesus yeah well i'm his friend so uh you know that's uh, nick hook that up all right good well that that came full circle in a really productive way now we have both a new friend for nick brecken and a new business opportunity all right what are we talking about (laughs) uh oh we could do 39 year wax house and wine a fine vintage. A, a fine vintage. We have here a 39-year-old wax, wax house. <laughs> In wax house news. <laughs> yep. Should we explain what wax house is every time we talk yeah, about wax house? It doesn't hurt. I mean, I know that one of the challenges of getting into this podcast is how stupidly dense it is. So I will just say quickly that when we use the phrase wax house, what we're referring to is an edited wiki. So someone wrote into our podcast maybe like two months ago at this point, uh, explaining an incredible long con that they, that they perpetuated for, I think, at least seven years, which is that after seeing the Paris Hilton film House of Wax, the kind of pseudo-remake of the original film House of Wax, they found it in, in, incomprehensible and terrible, so they went onto its Wikipedia page, updated the plot summary to be more accurate, but most crucially, added the incredible and delectable detail uh, entirely fabricated that the original title of the film was Wax House, baby, which they supported with a false interview with producer Joel Silver. This remained on the Wikipedia page for years and years and years, seeped into the whole rest of the internet, and it became our favorite thing because we were able to reveal that on our podcast, at which point the Wikipedia page was corrected, and we were blessed with a new uh, idiom to describe a kind of long-term false reality that has been willfully perpetuated. The best timing of that Wax House reveal was that we, thanks to the person who perpetuated it, outed it on our podcast, and then within a day or two of us outing it, Wax House Baby went on one last ride on the Fangoria podcast, yeah. where they were incredulous <laughs> and mocked how stupid that name was. Yeah. Ah, mm, yep, that was, that was really good. good. People have written us in a couple other uh, Wax House scenarios, and the threshold for, for Wax Housings to make the podcast has gotten pretty high, but this one came in and I thought it was pretty good. Okay. Um, I have not read this yet. This is from Lauren. Lauren writes... Dear Idle Thumbs, sorry, this first sentence really threw me for a second. I have a crazy wax house, baby, story to tell you. Baby. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. 
I'm a college history professor, and tonight I invited a retired historian, Paul Ringenbach, to come speak about his work in one of my classes. He was instrumental in writing the nomination to get the missions in San Antonio designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site, so I had him come into my public history class to talk about that. In the process of describing his incredibly varied career, though, he shared the most bizarre tale of an academic <laughs> Sorry, he shared the most bizarre tale of academic waxhouse baby proportions. Back in the late 1960s, when Paul was preparing his dissertation on tramps in New York for publication as a book, an acquaintance of his, uh, who happened to run a small publishing company, helped him acquire some historic illustrations to include in the final book. In return, the acquaintance asked Paul to write a short book for his press. Paul agreed and said he'd write a book for him about African-American cowboys in the West, but then he got busy doing historian things and kept putting the project off. Finally, the acquaintance joked that Paul should write a book about procrastination. Paul joked back that, sure, he'd write a book called Procrastination Through the Ages, A Definitive History. (laughs) Well... The publisher decided to add this cheeky title to the forthcoming works list in his catalog with no planned publication date or price, of course, (laughs) since Paul had no intention of writing such a book. Uh, This is already good. Yeah, but the publisher listed the fake book in the list of uh, forthcoming books in his publication catalog for 15 years. Oh, my God. Reporters would occasionally contact Paul about this fabled book, but he mostly laughed it off. So this was what, the early 70s by this point, or late 60s? I think so, yeah. It was in the late 60s, early 70s that this was happening. Okay. So reporters would occasionally contact Paul about his failed book, but he mostly left it off, until one day, one of his colleagues approached him at work and said, Hey, Paul, I knew you had written a a history about tramps, but why didn't uh, didn't you ever tell me you wrote a book about procrastination? Apparently, uh, a famous psychologist named Albert Ellis had included a reference to procrastination (laughs) through the ages in a book called Overcoming Procrastination. Oh, man. A book which went through multiple printings and sold close to a million copies. It was a pop psychology hit in the 1980s, I guess, which is why his colleague was reading it. Anyway, the book- Wait, hold on. So the book that referenced his thing came out- One came out decades after his fake- Yes, his fake listing too. That's already been ages since that book was released. Yes, and it took apparently a while until he even heard about it. Yes. Okay. So yeah, procrastination through the ages never existed. Listed as a publication that was maybe going to come out by uh, no date, with no date or anything. Then another professor wrote a book called Overcoming Procrastination in the eighties, which cites procrastination through the ages as a reference. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Yeah, it was a pop psychology hit in the 80s, which is why his colleague was reading it. Anyway, the book claimed the only academic history of procrastination the psychologist could locate was Paul's Procrastination Through the Ages, (laughs) which offered, quote, an interesting survey of the topic. What? Uh, What? Bullshit. But no advice. But uh, let's get a little more detail here, Chris, but also offers no advice for coping with procrastination. Oh, interesting. And and thus the need for a new book, Overcoming Procrastination. So this person has written what seems to cite itself as a spiritual successor to a book that never exists. Barely even that. What they essentially did is create... A completely fictional justification for the necessity of their book by essentially backhanding this other book for something it doesn't have, which is true because it has nothing. So, Paul, 
the original author seems uh, from this email to not really to want to give Albert Ellis a huge benefit of the doubt because this is uh, what Lauren says here is Paul suspects that Ellis Ellis asked some hapless graduate student of his to locate procrastination procrastination through the ages and sum it up for him and when the imaginary book could not be located the grad student <laughs> just lied as to not expose himself or herself to chastisement but then once the reference was published in this popular work of psychology other academic authors began to include the fake book in their footnotes Amazing. too even what? though they'd never seen or read it wow in 2011 an author working on a new book on procrastination actually did his due diligence and contacted Paul to see what the deal was with this book which he couldn't locate but wanted to cite in his work Paul told him the whole story of the elaborate academic prank which was then published as a footnote in that new book uh, wow the academic prank lasted 39 years a true wax house that's amazing yeah that's so good that really is an that is one of the that is one of the best successors to the wax house story because like the wax house story but on an even grander scale it actually has infiltrated the wider world and you, you know wormed its way into a like almost a cascading series but in a very of, stupid and harmless way right exactly but in a totally harmless way that doesn't as opposed to the truly harmful wax house baby <laughs> Well, well, no, no I, mean, I mean, I think Nick is saying similarly. It's, yes, yes, it's similarly. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. innocuous. Yeah. Um, Lauren, along with these, this email, included uh, covers and f- and the various footnotes in question, which I'll post in the forum thread, I guess, oh, okay. for this week's episode. So cool. you can find it on our website. Okay, cool. That's very good. Thank you, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, a, what an amazing, bizarre addition to the, this canon. I feel like this and the fake Street Sharks... Uh, TV.com mm. one and the yep. original Wax yeah. House Baby like as a trifecta is a mm-hmm. pretty tough to beat collection of these yeah at least that aren't actually malicious like mm-hmm. these are all they don't yep. get into actual like fake and news they, they cover different areas too because uh, because Wax House is about a fiction a work of fiction but the actual Wax House is about sort of details of production and trivia. You have Street Sharks, which is a wax housing of fictional content itself. Right. And then you have Procrastination, which is wax housing of academic nonfiction. So I feel like we have a really good spread. Now all we need is wax housing about the production or research of nonfiction. And then we have all four quadrants. Then you could draw one of those. We hit what they in the entertainment industry call the four quadrants. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. It's also fantastic that this that this 39-year-old academic wax housing is about a book on procrastination that was never written. I know. The whole like, thing... Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. great it's, because the whole beautiful. thing starts as a joke. Yeah. It literally started into... Which I guess is actually true of Wax House as well, the original yeah. Wax House. The original thing was a joke unto itself already. That then kept then getting taken seriously. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Very good. Yeah. Very, very good. <sighs> um, okay. Well... Should we do another email here? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Danny writes, hello, important if crew. Ugh. <laughs> I, knew you, I knew that would get the- I love the it. Dis- I love it, Chris. The, Let's be yeah. honest. What do I love? I love being referred to by the name important if crew. What you love is is the coinage of new terms introduced on a podcast. I, 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 I can't not love it. That's true. All right. Danny writes, imagine that you are immortal, perhaps because of a genie, Mm. and you also have a magical bottle of wine that gets better with age. Specifically, (laughs) every year the wine ages, it tastes twice as good as it did the year before. How long would you wait until you drank the wine? 
<laughs> it tastes twice as good as the as the year it did before. Yes. So honestly, I mean, I think we have to take it on faith that you know this somehow. Yeah. yeah. That wine is going to taste real fucking good real fast when that starts compounding like that. To mm-hmm. be to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be even better. Later. Yeah, but also, it's wine. So it's probably just going to taste fine, and I'm going to enjoy it fine. <laughs> yeah, this is the, the try it. Finally, my time has come. As a fucking wine simpleton who can't tell the difference right. between qualities of wine, fucking finally. Where you're like, oh, sorry, I accidentally poured the magical bottle of wine that gets better every year. I don't know how long I've had yeah, this I in my house. Just, ah, I think I, I've had this around for like no, five or six what years. Would, what ah, oh, is, 15 years? Shit, I would, sorry. I would wait like 20 years. The wine would be served. They'd be like, oh my God, it's true. It's everything they said. It's amazing. And then someone would be like, I literally gave you the fucking two buck chuck (laughs) that we had in the the pantry. It's the shit wine. (laughs) And I would would absolutely fucking not know. And yet, and yet, I know that my actual answer to this is I would never drink the wine because I would be dead. Because even with normal ass fucking wine and anything that gets worse with a, I mean, I guess wine, I don't know, whatever. Who the fuck I'm sure wine has an well. arc. I'm sure it has an arc. I think it yeah. doesn't even matter that much, really, it, once it's already been bottled. Who knows? In any case, I definitely own a lot of things in my possession that definitely don't get better with age. Not just wine, but like most goods don't just naturally improve by age and yet I will always be like ah but I might but I might need this next week this is also like the video game conundrum where it's like you you have your like yeah you have your healing potion or right, whatever. Right, yeah, you, where you complete the game with just, like, your character can I'm barely stacked. even walk anymore because yes. you're like, I've got all these potions and potential yeah. upgrades, but nope, I don't know. I can't. Don't want to. Might need them for something. For, for something. Sure. I would be dead. This wine would would outlast me for sure. Oh, but you know, the thing, that's that's 100% true for me. I would me. be rotting in the ground, and then I would haunt my descendants and, and, t- and tut-tut them when they try to open the wine in my honor. They'd be like, oh, he died. As he lived, oh. not drinking this wine. Uh, let's toast to his honor, and I'd be like, "Wait, wait, wait!" But it's going to be so much better next year. I think that for me, it would, it would. There's one even like crippling twist on this, where if I was, if even if it was like I lived a long, healthy life, and then at the end, a doctor was like, "You have two weeks to live." And I'd like, mm. oh fuck, okay. Do I open the wine? Then I'd be like, what if it's not even that good? <laughs> what if this wine like started off like, right. like what? I don't. What want- if it started off so bad that right? I mean, the point. Like, the- what if I can't even yeah, tell? What if yeah. I'm just like, oh, like do I? Right. I'd rather like mystery box this wine and just never know and just bury me. <laughs> yeah. Like bury me like, with this wine. Yeah. The allure of the wine is so great that like, yeah. drinking it would would be bad. And like, I I hate. That the mystery box is a concept in fiction of that like propose a mystery so tantalizing that you would never want to answer it because the answer would be disappointing. But in the case of this bottle of wine, fuck, I don't know if I'd want to know. I think that at the end of it, I would just like because what if you do just go, and you're like, yeah, fine, yeah. Oh, it's wine, I guess. It's wine. It tastes like how wine tastes, which is my reaction when I drink literally. Right, I mean, even any then, wine. if you're like, oh, I've had better wine before, <laughs> like, that would be very presumptuous. I mean, or just, I mean, well, okay, that, that's what you say as a wine person, but as a regular yeah. person, you'd go, oh, I've enjoyed the, t-. like, this isn't, I've had things that I've thought tasted better to me, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's. Ah, I'm getting notes of wine. <laughs> exactly. I'm detecting, uh, mm, Where you're grapes. just like, oh, I had, I had a Sauvignon Blanc one time that was like a little sweeter, and I liked that more than the person next to you who's also tasting this magic wine just goes, ugh, you fucking simpleton, where you're just like, <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, there's not. This is. It is actually pretty. This is the more I think about it, the more this is actually a terrible situation. Okay, wait, because you're building uh, you're building up the expectations so much, and surely you wouldn't just do it alone, would you? Or would you, out of fear? This is of all this these is the thing that scenarios. would actually make it better. If every year, uh, the like the sommelier who has to come out and present the wine to you also has to add <laughs> onto the list. Hold on a sec. Wait, what does he have? What list does he have to of, add? To? Of notes and flavors and things that this wine includes. If that also gets twice as elaborate every year, <laughs> I would definitely wait until so the last possible minute. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, I'm going to spend the last week of my life listening to this fucking guy have right, to describe yeah. this amazing wine. <laughs> this comes in. The actual treat is not the wine. No. The treat is this fucking it's, man who has to enter your house <laughs> for some reason. It's the wine you're culture. Like, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me shut up. You can probably pull up my fucking comfy chair. That I now have acquired mainly for this purpose. Put my feet up on the thing. You're separately drinking a different alcohol. You've got your snifter of brandy that you're. I'll call it a snifty. You're swirling around in your fucking cigar just to enjoy. Yeah, and that guy's also got that because it's like. Settle in, bu- fucking buckle up, because uh, I'm gonna describe this amazing wine that is empirically the best wine, and by best I mean it has the most notes. Complexity. <laughs> it has, it's, it's got some fucking notes. It's got yeah. legs, legs up to here. I, I'm. Uh, you just sort of covertly introduced the idea that this comes along with a sommelier who who just appears, I suppose. Yeah. But I mean, that's starting to get like then. There's this additional guilt. Whenever like, you well, even get close to opening it, he sort of has to show up, and they're like, "Oh, not today." <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, if you I drink the genie, is probably the sommelier. Yeah. Oh, is it? Because I was thinking, yeah, if maybe. it's just a guy, mm, just there's a guy. an additional pressure, which is that you're putting a human being out of a job once you drink the wine. So he's got this other. He's got a thread, an incredible. He's like, I'm a sixth generation this wine bottle specialist. <laughs> My grandfather's grandfather only had to learn man? like two things about this wine. Uh, the, the genie. Pretty the genie sure just the genie hired him. I mean, it, what are you gonna put out like a job listing? Why not? This wine Why not? Will... This is this is going to support six generations of master mm. sommeliers. I mean, I think it's worth a little bit of legwork to find the right the right person for the for the position. The right old wine family. Yeah. That feels like the kind of thing that once upon a time would have actually somehow been supportable employment. You know when you watch a like a period piece like an upstairs or something? downstairs drama of yeah, any kind or even something well yeah. but even something less outrageous than like a stately country home with a full staff even sure. when it's just oh like apparently just an upper middle class oh, like when you watch the apartment from America or something from a, yeah. like 70 years ago yeah, and they how the fuck did these people employ like two other people to just live in their house and do menial tasks for them how how was this ever something uh chris back in the day americans used to have magical bottles of wine <laughs> oh jobs and cash yeah they also had hopes jobs and cash some of, i mean some of them did let's be clear chris 10 but, years ago 38 years ago. <laughs> 38 years ago, we had Bob Hope, Steve Jobs, and Johnny Cash. Now yeah, we just have this goddamn magical bottle of wine <laughs> that I can feel way too So that's to another reason why I wouldn't actually open it before I died. Even I'd be like, I know I'm passing up a great gift of hearing you describe this bullshit to me. <laughs> and I, but then I was like, I will just laugh at you. <laughs> well, I I mean, will, and then I'll taste this wine and go, 
you know, I gotta be honest with you, it just tastes like wine, and then I'm gonna die, and him and his family is out of a job. Plus, I mean, the enjoyment of hearing the guy listing all the stuff was just so much more enjoyable when it was the shared experience with Steve Jobs, Bob Hope, and Johnny Cash all sitting around the room. (laughs) The original owners of this bottle of wine (laughs) were the last surviving member of the the Hope Jobs Cash Tontine. (laughs) (laughs) I just, it's mine, rightfully. I mean, they all... They all died before I did. It's and also left our country just... with this, uh, d- we have no middle class now. The Rust Belt is, is in decline now that we lost our hopes, jobs, and cash. All we have is this magic <laughs> bottle of wine and this... we got to make it last. <laughs> the magic wine economy. <laughs> all we have is hopes, jobs, and cash and this guy, this fucking <laughs> wine guy, I guess. A poor substitute for these great Oh, men. you mean me, James Freedom? We still have that, Chris. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Christ. Okay, this podcast has to end. <laughs> yeah. Um, good. All right. Uh, Notable uh, wine uh, owner. Yeah. James Freedom the 4th of July. How did the how did the, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I inherited my dad's genie. That's uh that's how I got to where I am today. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I said that I got here about on my own bootstraps, but everyone knows that I everyone just have a genie. Everyone knows I just inherited my dad's yeah. genie. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's genie, a Disney film. Freedom, yeah. freedom isn't free until he uh, wishes it from his genie and breaks the curse. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oof. Oh, freedom is free, but his genie is not. Mm. There we go. That's what I meant to say all along. We've all seen Aladdin. Anyway, um, ra- erase this podcast from your podcatcher device now. I'll do my best. Alexa, delete this podcast. That'll work for like at least one person. Uh, all right, is that it? Is that all we got for this episode? I feel like we're running out of juice. Mm. I feel like we're running out of vintage wine. Unlike wine, this podcast does not get better the longer yeah. we do it. I mean, maybe it would have if we just recorded one episode and then let it age and it got better every year until we finally released it on an RSS feed, by which point it would be the most incredible episode of any podcast ever released and then we could just retire oh we did that because last week's was the only episode uh, was the last episode we released <laughs> true <laughs> true we went out on a high note yeah on a high sort of uh a high sort of smoky yeah. note with i would <laughs> say touches of walnuts <laughs> i don't know what wine is uh thanks for for no wait we have to do endorsements <laughs> when well, nick what mm. is your endorsement I'm going to endorse. Um, I guess watching Olympic curling or the sport of curling in general. <laughs> You're All endorsing right. the sport of curling. Yeah. Good. I'll take it. So, yeah, I mean, curling was always like the sport that was on in the background when the Olympics were going on in my house. Um, really? You know, my parents didn't really watch curling, but I was definitely aware of it, uh, especially growing up in you know the Michigan area, being really close to Canada. Um, but uh, have you have you curled before, Nick? Have you actually tried? it? I have never curled. I do want to. I do want to go now, though. And it is living in Vancouver. It is an opportunity. Oh my God, that's, really? Uh, available to me. There was a curling club. Holy pretty, shit! Pretty you got to do it. Yeah, apparently Janelle Janelle really wants yeah. to go. So I think uh, 
I think we we might just go curling. So right now, so right now, your endorsement is curling conceptually. Yes, but it's entirely possible a future endorsement from Nick Brecken will be curling the activity. Actually, playing curling could be a future endorsement. Yes. Oh, Nels Anderson, mm-hmm. who hosts the yes. Terminal Seven podcast on Idle Thumbs, and is our friend, lives in Canada, but was born in America and has curled. Of course, Nels. Plenty of curled. times, and he oh. heartily endorses actually curling. Oh. All right. Well, well Nick, we'll now you have a Nels. curling friend. In curling, your with own city. curling with Nels. Curling with Nels. Else. A new podcast, yep. I would definitely listen to you guys recording a two, two-person two podcast God, after so curling. Here's the thing. I get really into curling this week. I've watched almost <laughs> every match for... So I was following specifically the uh, American Please explain men. what curling is, because I bet there's a non-zero number of listeners who don't know. So, okay. So curling, curling, if you know what shuffleboard is, it's kind of like shuffleboard on ice. You start out on one end... Uh, of a long uh, sort of rectangular section of ice and there's a target that looks like a, a big series of bullseyes at the far end and you have these stones called rocks very simple sport really um, N- nice so you have these stones called rocks and yeah. you, they're smooth on the bottom and so the ice itself is actually not smooth it's a misconception people actually think it's smooth like an ice skating rink but it actually has a texture to it it has these little stones uh, embedded in it or, or something like that and so what happens is you th- when you throw the rock down the ice um trying to get it into the bullseye um every so that you you curl the, the rock as you throw it you can't throw it straight you have to curl it um because of the texture it sort of naturally curls the, there are sweepers that have these brooms and their job is to uh get ahead of the rock um and uh sweep the the surface it's because the because the texture um exists you can melt the ice that's raised on those on those granules and uh, thereby creating a, a watery surface to make the stone travel further. It basically is so wizardry. you're trying to control the length. It's weird. It's, it is, it's very weird. It's very strange. I find that uh, when you try to watch curling and try to get into the sport, uh, nobody explains what the hell is actually going on. It's just a bunch of <laughs> yeah. sort of British it's so men strange. Kind of saying like, well, you really shot the stone well there, I guess. But uh, well, it's and then you have the guys simple. like furiously yeah, yeah. scrubbing, it's just the shouting at it's each other. It's an odd and, yeah, activity. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 yelling and just everybody's. You don't really know why, but if you watch um, a single curling match and just have the Wikipedia rules open, I promise you that it will mm. not actually seem that difficult. So the other thing that's great about <coughs> curling is that. Um, you know the perception is that it's it's sort of a boring sport to watch, and in some ways it is. But the the what they do is they they mic the players up, and so you can hear them just deliberating over every single uh, sort of chess move that they're considering. So I watched during the Olympics. I watched pretty much all the uh, American men and the South Korean women um, matches, uh, and I would say that if you're if you're getting into it, choose a team that uh, speaks the language that you do. Um, because it's fun and interesting to listen to what they're what they're saying to each other. I mean, they'll just have arguments, and it just sort of adds to the drama. Yeah. Um, in addition to kind of teaching you about the sport, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot of room for a curling athlete of any nation to become a worldwide fan favorite by becoming an ASMR sensation where <laughs> because they're close mic'd Gross. the entire time, they just make really Ugh. satisfying mouth sounds into their mic mm. that are not mm. linguist that are not verbal in nature, but are, are mm. simply pleasing like with an excellent, you know, mouth I'm and ear feel. That. I'm, I'm, do not I'm, not, that. I'm not saying it's an, I'm just saying there's money on the table left yeah. here. I'm not saying I'm just saying there's money <laughs> on the table. 
All right, good, good, nice. good recommendation. I look forward to your future potential endorsement mm. of actually curling. Yeah, we'll we'll see. All right, um, I am going to endorse a television show that you can watch on Netflix, which is uh, Babylon Berlin. This oh, is nice. this is a German language show produced in Germany. Uh, actually, German language with like. I don't know, maybe 10% also Russian language. Um, and it's set uh, between World Wars One and Two in Germany and follows, it has a, 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 a sort of fairly large cast of characters that are important to the show and the, and the plot. Um, but principally, I suppose, follows a police inspector from Cologne who has moved to Berlin for a very specific reason. Um, but the show ends up being about um i mean it's clearly i'm not i haven't finished all the episodes that are currently out i think there are two seasons that have been consolidated into one for translation um and it's obviously about the ultimate you know rise of of the nazi party and things that precipitated world war ii but also about the aftermath of world war one and also just about the sort of almost hedonistic place that Berlin was at this time. And it's, um, it's very watchable. It's, uh, it is compelling and clearly, um, interesting and, and complex, but also a lot of like really fun with a a lot of characters that are very, you know, interesting and multifaceted and, and compelling. It's just a really good watch. And Jake in particular, I want to recommend to you the production design of this show, which is outstanding. They do an amazingly thorough job of populating every corner of the world with graphic design and typography and just overall, all kinds of production design that really evoke that particular era of Germany. And the introductory sequence is absolutely fantastic Rad. it's a really cool um just stylized thing that very much evokes uh i guess sort of just german the german film aesthetic of a certain type of that time uh and it's really it's just a really cool show it's called babylon berlin and it's it's um i don't remember if i said this or not but apparently it's the most expensive television production ever made in germany like it's very clear that they <laughs> wow. were they were angling for a international breakout right. kind of hit and it definitely it's definitely very good and worth watching nice uh, and it's the kind of thing where i think if you knew a lot about that time and place you would get even more out of it but even with the kind of cursory understanding i have of 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 uh, of the setting it still is that does not feel like I'm getting left behind. Like they, they do the thing that television fiction does where you can, they, they pretty much seed the significance of important things in character dialogue and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, I always forget if it's Berlin Babylon or Babylon Berlin, but I think either if you search for either of those, you'll find it. Nice. Jake, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to offer a couple of tips to improve your Google image search. Ziz. Okay. <laughs> Weird. Okay. Okay. Well, go for it. If you're a person who does any like sort of quick and dirty diving for art reference, or if you just want to, f- you know, Google image search is a thing that you probably use as at least sort of the first place you do rough searches. Google image search has recently gotten objectively worse because mm. they, um, I, think I have noticed this as well because of all the product stuff. There's a couple things. Yeah. There's, well, the very most recent thing is I think it's, I, 
You can no longer. Yes, view you image. can. The, the view image button is gone. Yeah. There used to be a button mm. that you would you could search for images, then you could press a button called view image that would just hot link you straight to the source JPEG instead of going th- into the website itself. And I believe due to a, what seems like a combination of a settlement and an agreement with Getty Images, Google has removed that button wow. from Google Image Search. However. Uh, what I endorse is a Chrome and Firefox extension to literally just put that button back into <laughs> Google Image Search. Um, it's you, you have to sort of dig through GitHub for it, but if you I mean if you search for just Google Images View Image plugin as one word, you'll probably and we'll f- link to it in the description. Yeah, and we'll link to it in the description. But the other thing that I that I heartily endorse, even though you have to type it in by hand, is inside of a Google Image Search. If you type uh, minus and then the word site colon Pinterest.com, <laughs> your Google image search uh, quality will actually go That's way really up good. because mm-hmm. Pinterest is like, you know, Pinterest is a great resource in some, in a lot of ways, but it, it's SEO, like it's search engine optimization is too good. And it basically has taken over Google image search for mm. a lot of stuff and <laughs> it doesn't, it's really hard to chase through Pinterest back to an original source. So if you basically put minus pinterest.com or minus minus site colon pinterest.com google will just screen out all pinterest.com it's good tip. searches and if those two things combined have restored google image search mm. for me to its quality level circa a couple years ago when pinterest hadn't taken over and also when you could just v- direct link to every image all right yeah. we'll link to that in uh, those things in uh, well, we'll link to and describe yes. those two things in the description. I also I'm going to plant a seed of a potential fu- of a potential future endorsement from Nick. I'm going to plant the seed of a potential future in- uh, endorsement from me. I'm very curious to see how this ultimately goes. On a whim the other day, I bought a small jar of Marmite, and I'm going to attempt to teach myself to enjoy Marmite yeast extract. Uh, something b- beloved by Commonwealth citizens, Marmite and its and its cousin Vegemite. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to attempt to introduce to to acquire a taste for Marmite, and I will potentially in the future endorse Marmite if I get there, and I'm willing to. Uh, <laughs> Jake's not happy. About <laughs> That's this. a dumb. No, Mar- Marmite's interesting because it is like there are certain foods that you can that you that one can taste and go, I don't like that, but I understand. But it's fascinating. But you're like, but yeah, but, you're yeah. Like, but I understand why someone else likes it. Like I suspect yes. you're probably like that about olives, where you're like, I could tell that you could tell that there's some complexity yeah. to it, even though you don't like it. Exactly. And in yeah. fact, my experience with olives, it's been a years long process for me. But olives are maybe the one food I can think of in the world that I actually. traditionally dislike the taste of which as a person of Italian descent who grew up eating home-cooked Italian food every day uh, was sort of shameful to me so I've embarked on a on a campaign that is basically the length of my adult life to date to force myself to enjoy olives and I've I've definitely I would say within the last couple years I've definitely rounded that corner and uh, I'm I'm on that same campaign yeah exactly that's true I know we have yeah yeah and so I know it can be done and I'm gonna do it with Marmite god damn it on that, thank you for listening to this episode of Important If True. We appreciate everyone who listens to this podcast, who writes in, who tells a friend, uh, any of those things, even when even just listening, it really means a lot to to us. It's very cool that people listen to this podcast and enjoy it. Um, if you do have a question for us, you need our advice, 
have a, a conundrum or a situation that needs untangling, go ahead and send that right in to questions at importantoftrue.com and we will do our best. If you would like an ad-free version of this podcast, head over to patreon.com slash idle thumbs where you can find all the details about how to make that happen. And uh, that's it. That's all we got. We'll be back next week with another episode of Important of True, now releasing Fridays. Um, well, now admitting that we release on Fridays. <laughs> um, and that's that. Uh, for Idle Thumbs, I am Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. Stays. I'm Nick Brecken. Nick, you ready for our cool ritual? Mm, love it. One. Still want me to go first? <laughs> yeah. One. Right, I'll, let you, I'll let you start us off. Well, I mean, it's up to you, but here we go. One, two, three, four, five, wait, six. Wait, 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 wait. The tempo was all off there. It's too fast? You got you to gotta, you gotta count me in. One and a two. He does count you in by saying one, two, three. That's literally (laughs) the only purpose. I'm worried that if I do one and it's going to be so many fucking syllables coming at your head that you're going to that's a huge mistake. Don't listen to Nick. But that's a good poll. The one and I don't even know what Mm -hmm. that is. It's a musical way of counting. Oh, (laughs) I'll do. It's a cool way of counting. I'll just do it for the one, two, three. Then for four, five, six, I'll do it normal. Oh, I'll do it. Here we go. (laughs) Oh, oh. yeah. One e and a two e and a three e and a four, four e and a five, five e and a six, six. e and okay, a seven okay. e. Okay, okay, hold on, we got to do that again. Just don't. Why would you do that? <laughs> because it lets you internalize the tempo better. It kind of yeah. All right, here I'm going to do it again. I'm just going to. I'm only going to do the one e and a two e and a for one and two, but on three I'm going to transition to normal. Then on four you come in. Okay. All right. <laughs> One e and a two e and a three four, four e and a five e and a six. six. E and a seven. That was a good one. That I could sounded, tell. Yeah, that, sounded that was real a really good, good one. See, you, you gotta tell. break it down. And I didn't even have to take my headphones out of my ears. Oh, so good. All right, just just amazing. Chicks <laughs> <laughs> dying. Wax house, babe, <laughs> <laughs> baby. The ultimate wax house, befriending people, spending years knowing them and working on them in various professional and personal capacities, and then dying on them, leaving them bereaved and grieving. I thought wax you were going to say, you're la- I thought you were gonna say dying words on them. Were wax house. I thought you were going to say dying on them and leaving them record a podcast without you. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the next topic? I would rather die. <laughs> wax house. Jake, we can't do wax house again. We done it. We just did it last yeah. week. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> His final words were "wax house baby," and I don't know why. <laughs> His final and words I were sp- one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> <laughs>
I spent the rest of my life investigating what could be the wax house, and then it hit me. <laughs> my final words were also wax house, baby. <laughs> sort of Man, a, that's a, a terrifying like. But with a tone of realization, uh, like yeah. where you die and say rosebud, but you're saying yeah, yeah, wax no, house, I know. baby. But then I mean, the terrifying idea of that is that it's almost a disease. That's the true that wax house. Yeah. The true you're wax just house, passing yeah. the you're passing the wax house, baby, uh, along to people, and it's never been verified, and it's in fact, uh, it is literally just like a meta in just yeah. it's a, that's impossible to yeah. succinctly ever describe or explain <laughs> like, well, was, I, I figured it out his final words were the wax house that I myself uh, built myself and was buried in my final words were wax house yeah <laughs> wow that's baby. bleak well you know wax house wax baby wax house baby <laughs> Jesus <laughs> well good we got that out of the way Is it worth recording an end to this at all? I guess not. Probably not. Like to the very end of the Well, episode. that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there it is. <laughs>